2: Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU Recruitniks, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the 360 Recruiting Podcast presented by Sooners360.com. This is Matt from 360, joined as usual by Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst, and Caleb Cummings, AKA Mr. Sooner55, the film guru. Uh, Before we get to the show, just wanted to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast. On your favorite platform of choice, we are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc., and soon to be YouTube. Uh, circling back, Chris, this is episode 38, correct? This is not part two of 37. Uh, what happened with that?
3: Well, due to some travel issues with our regular, um, tech, technical support help, I, oh, yeah, it, that was me, right? I, yeah, I, yeah. I Matt, uh, we attempted to. To quickly record on Sunday. And due to just a screw up, we lost the pod. So, uh, this is the first time we've lost a pod recruit, a podcast, the uh, uh, recording of it. So, I apologize to all our listeners. I know they were looking for a pod from us on Sunday. Caleb and I had a fantastic hour long conversation that no one will ever hear. And, uh, and just apologize about that. But to try and make it up to you guys, Caleb and I are going to try again on Saturday and we're going to give you guys a bonus Taylor Tatum reaction podcast that we're going to record on Saturday and get up for you guys on the weekend. So I apologize to everybody. Uh, we, ju- we just screwed up. Sorry.
2: Uh, we can blame American Airlines for that one. Uh, we're not the first people to do that either. So. Um, so for this week's episode, episode 38, we will touch on some of the things that uh Chris and Caleb touched on on sunday apparently um that nobody will hear but we'll we'll rehash some of that stuff uh to get you some of that content and present some new content for this week's episode, which we are calling okay, we screwed up three commitments to discuss and more coming chris, I'll turn it over to you what's what's the
3: latest in o u s recruiting world well things things are really kind of heating up for o u recruiting it's it's Again, we're going to lead off with a commitment, and it's the commitment from Tuesday with Zion Reagans, the speedster from Georgia who committed to the Sooners. He chose OU over UGA and Florida State. And this is a recruiting battle that's been going on probably since January, and OU's been involved with him all the way back to when Lincoln Riley was, was coach. So they offered Reagans a while ago. And that recruiting battle has been going on and extended over to the new coaching staff. So this was a big win for OU. And right now, this gives OU five wide receivers. So OU has restocked the with only one receiver signed last year, Jaques Petaway. Uh, It's actually kind of funny that OU lost a speedster to Georgia from Texas and is now taking a speedster from Georgia. So uh, cuz they lost uh they lost the speedster last year to to the to the to the Bulldogs. So this gives OU five receivers in this class, one receiver in Jaquas Petaway so kind of you combine the two classes, that's an average of 3, which is about what OU should really be targeting for the for the wide receiver room. And you've got a wide a wide variety of wide receiver talents in that group. So Barring anything else changing, I, I, Matt, I think this takes care of the the wide receiver room and OU's commitments commitments at that particular skill position.
2: Do you see Terry Bussey even being a possibility at this point?
3: Well, it's everyone's. They, he's in the last week. If there's only if there's one negative piece of OU recruiting news, and it's been a week of positives for the most part. The only one would be some of the crystal balls and forecasts for Terry Bussey to Texas A&M. So um, that's the only negative news. And look, if he can, if oh, you can get him back on campus and forestall this commitment until the dead season, the dead month until August, maybe, but you know, everyone right now is projecting him to choose Texas A&M, but A&M did pick up another wide receiver and that's kind of where they're recruiting him. So Maybe maybe there's a chance there, but it's it's looking like he's he's leaning to Texas A and M. And now maybe uh, maybe OU can work him over the over the over the football season and maybe get him back on campus for another event because he's obviously connected with a lot of OU verbals. But I think if there's one negative piece of news from the from the last seven days, it's it's Terry Bussey. Looks like an A and M commitment that's gonna happen before August first. But he has certainly not it, made any public announcements on that yet.
2: Well, we've had some good news in the last two weeks with Jaden Jackson committing, Davin Mitchell committing, Zion Reagan's committing uh, recently this week. Any other positive news to, to, to speak of?
3: Yeah, so, so obviously the biggest piece of news we're waiting on, which should occur on Friday, is Taylor Tatum, the number one ranked running back, the consensus number one running back is announcing on Friday, and everything is trending towards him choosing Oklahoma. Uh, Then Eugene Brooks, the offensive guard from Chatsworth, California, everybody in the industry has picked him to choose OU, including all of the Texas sites. And it looked like an OU-Texas battle, so that's kind of a tip-off there. We're just waiting for him to go public with an announcement date. And one of the weird things about announcement dates going on is Everybody is committing right now, so there's actually like a delay in getting graphics from the graphics pe- people that they all use. So it's actually sort of that's sort of the uh, the bottleneck, which is kind of crazy when you think about it.
1: I cannot believe you just spoke those words together.
3: Yeah, that, I, I saw that, you, you. I saw the you market laugh.
1: the market bottleneck. In it's, this is some you know thirty year old guy that lives in his mother's basement. Doesn't Photoshop, have enough time the, to get in Photoshop and yeah. do something for a 17-year-old kid. I mean, man,
3: sometimes putting a thirty-eight yes. in it's your a, mouth
1: sounds good. like, that's ridiculous.
3: <laughs> it's, uh, but that's what I've been hearing. So it's it's bizarre that way. Um, and then um, to continue the good news from an O-line perspective, um, new offer Josh Iasosa, the offensive guard from Edmund Santa Fe, is announcing on 8-14. I would be very surprised if he doesn't choose OU, considering he's not had a chance to really take any other visits, any other places, and the OU offer is the biggest news in his recruiting. Then I was able to have a conversation. We have an interview with Michael Patterson-McDonald coming up on the website. He was fortunate enough to give us some time and had a great interview with him. He's still announcing on 731, and he's going to be at the party at the Palace event right before committing, so... You know, read into that what you want, that he's going to be in Norman like 728, 729. And then two days later, he's committing. And then we've been able to confirm, we've confirmed previously, and Danny Okoye confirmed on Twitter that he's coming to the party at the Palace event uh, at the end of July. So, oh, you can get one of their la- You know, one of their big time defensive line targets, who they're trailing a little bit on just because that recruiting has started so late. OU gets another touch point with him and a touch point with him when all the coaches are around, all the the players are around and the process and, you know, OU commits will be at that event. He has a chance to really bond with the class and kind of, you know, bond with the coaches a little more. Cause when he came in for his unofficial, it was, I can think the end of May and a lot of, you know, a lot of players were not around and um, a lot of coaches were not around either. So, and obviously there were no, it wasn't a, wasn't a, it wasn't an unofficial big weekend, so there weren't other commits around either. So, Danny has a chance to kind of get some, get to get to know the rest of the OU class and and meet some players and kind of get the whole the real whole dog and pony from OU uh, in terms of an unofficial visit because it'll be a big weekend. OU's going to going to do you know going to make a big splash out of this.
1: Chris, do you think do you think that there'll be a positive impact? Could be uh, you you've spoken with him, him being around you know, there's probably a, there's a decent sized contingency. I don't know if it's large comparative to every OU roster of kids from Tulsa, right? Whether it's older kids like Andrew Rain, but just the younger guys uh, like Jaden Rowe, uh, Gentry uh, and Robert Spears Jennings. You think that could be impactful to just, you know, again, kind of driving home. Hey, you know, this is uh, maybe where, where I want to be. I find his timeline so interesting because uh his leaders who he has, right? Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas, Tennessee, some of these, some of these groups are are going to be full if he pushes yes. it out until, you know, late in the year.
3: Yeah, I think um so when you think about it, uh, Caleb, OU you has a nice group of of Tulsa area DBs, right? Robert Spears Jennings, Gentry Williams, Jaden Rowe, and a recruiting Devin Jordan, who I would like to think is probably gonna make the trip down for that event as well. So yeah, I think there's a good chance that OU is gonna be able to say, sort of surround um uh Danny with some Tulsa folks and let him know that, you know, we're gonna, you know, OU doesn't hate Tulsa, Tulsa players don't hate OU. Tulsa players are successful as sooners. This is, this is not like a barren Tulsa wasteland like Arkansas and OSU fans like to spread the rumor that OU hates Tulsa kids. Um, so yeah, I think that could have an impact. And I just think also, Caleb, it's just OU's chance to really kind of give him the whole package, right? Like, you know, be at an event, the whole, you know, he we can counter the Texas and Tennessee official visits that he's taken and give him um almost the same sort of glitz and, you know, big time program kind of feel that he would have gotten at their official visits in in an unofficial visit that weekend with with all the other players, um, if I'm, if I'm desperately scraping a second negative news point, Matt, Alabama's entrance into the Danny Okoye recruiting battle is, is kind of something I could have done without,
2: you know, I meant to ask you about that. Actually, when he tweeted that out that he was going to be at Bama and then OU, I couldn't really remember if, you know, Bama has been mentioned in that conversation before, have they?
3: Um, it seems new to me. I'd have, I mean, for the longest time, um, I've been ignoring his recruiting because his mom just didn't want him to go to OU. He didn't want to, you know, OU was not being allowed to be involved. And he was such a great, great looking prospect. I was like, I'm, I'm, you know, like a girlfriend, you can't, you know, you know, it's like a a girl you have a crush on that you know, you can't date. You, you, You kind of try and put her aside out of your mind to use a bad example there. So, I I won't profess the longest uh, focus on his recruitment, but, yeah, the Alabama thing does seem a little new. LSU and Tennessee, obviously, are places he visited officially, and Texas. So his recruiting is starting to become a little bit of a battle royal. But to uh, Caleb's point, OU is, I think, positioned well from a calendar standpoint because, you know, our, our sources tell us that OU views Danny Okoye as a as a five star top 30 type kid they think he's that good so OU is not gonna back off this recruiting at all they're always gonna have a spot for Danny Okoye although we'll talk about that in a minute um and I think that gives them a little bit of an advantage also I'd like to think that with it with the distance being so near that maybe if Devin Jordan um verbals to OU in the next like you know 45 days which I think is a distinct possibility uh maybe maybe there's a Tulsa crew that's able to come down unofficially for a couple of football games so the OU is able to kind of build use the distance and that local advantage you know to their advantage so but yeah seeing Bama there after you know there's a little bit of a um there's a little bit of a Casey Poe wound in in my side about Bama swooping in at the end and taking a a key part of the OU class away. So it wasn't exactly what I wanted to see, but they they've picked up they've picked up defensive linemen already. They're trending for some other defensive linemen. So nothing. Yeah, quite. and they've got
1: he I, I would assume he would project as, you know, I say that they switched defensive coordinators back to steel. But I assume he's gonna run essentially the same defense, right? Which is yeah an odd an odd front that plays out of their nickel the entire time. So it's effectively like a, you know, uh Your your three four, but it's your nickel. So you've got four, you know, four defensive linemen or two D linemen, two edge players on line of scrimmage. They've got three guys in the class right now that are committed as outside linebackers. I don't, I don't, I don't think that any of them are to the caliber of uh, of Danny. But there's also, you know, they're in play for, (laughs) as always, (laughs) any number of other kids. But the concern there, like you nailed it, right, is the risk is when when Nick Saban decides hey you're vitally important and I really want you it's just, it's really difficult, you know, because I think if you're honest with yourselves and you kind of pull back and detach from a fan, you can say, like, he checks every single box, you know, Nick Saban in Alabama that any kid would want. If he looks in the eye and says, I'll develop you, get you in the first round and the top 15 picks, and you're going to win a national title or play for one, you're, all these things, and I'm going to develop you. you. Every kid looks back and says, all right, I believe everything you say, and there's a track record that you can do it. So it becomes difficult, you know, but hopefully. We'll see if he's, if he's that much of a
3: priority. Yeah. And, um, I do wonder, do you, do you think Bama's looking at him to maybe sort of do sort of the Deshaun hand thing and kind of bulk him up and maybe make him an interior guy?
1: I don't know. I would think not, you know, Deshaun was, was, was a little, was bigger coming out. And I personally, like, and we, (laughs) something we've talked about, like with, uh, you know, with Williams and and, in in the whole Georgia talk to me, I would think if you set Deshaun hand down and, and you walked him through, hey, what if you'd gone to Ohio State and they would developed you as a three, as a four, three defensive end, as opposed to going to you know Alabama and then turning right. you into a defensive tackle that's three hundred five pounds? Where do you think you have a better career? Where do you think you go higher in the draft? I think it probably tell you. I probably everybody knows this, right? Like edge rushers are more of a premium. Uh, you'd go higher as a as an end.
3: Yeah. So I think so. So Matt, that's the only. You know, it was good hearing. I, I think OU's poised well to make a huge run at Okoye while other schools are going to struggle to maybe get access to him. But obviously the whole unlimited visit thing that they passed makes things more complicated here. Like we could see Oregon show up. We could see someone like maybe Ohio State. All of a sudden they miss out on one of their targets, although they they seem to be getting everybody they want on the D-line for the most part. So.
1: Well, here's a here's a weird question then for you, because we're talking about good news. It seems like everybody's got a little bit of good news with uh, Zena, Umazulu and Oklahoma, potentially. Tell me if Oklahoma was to if Zena was to pull the trigger to Oklahoma early, earlier than Danny. And let's fast forward and, you know, perfect world. Pretend Oklahoma gets Williams and which most people, even Georgia sites now are saying, oh, OK, maybe we were blowing smoke of everybody's butt. Uh what happens?
3: Okay. So this is kind of one of our later topics, but we'll go ahead and delve into it right now because the flows go in there. So I've mapped out an OU recruiting class that has five running back, sorry, three running backs, five wide receivers, five O-line, so everyone doesn't freak out, and eight defensive linemen. And it would be and and they get Braden Platt and the and they get the DBs everyone's projecting and it's twenty eight players. So with the number of scholarships I think OU will have available, I think OU could just I think oh if I'm OU and knowing what I know about the 2025 defensive line class and and some things there if I'm OU I think and and Caleb I think psychologically taking Zena Umazulu away from Texas is kind of a, that's, that's, that's something, you know, that's, that's a little bit like, yeah, we're, 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 we may be not getting everybody in Dallas, but we're even taking the guy that you should have gotten in the Dallas area. So, I mean, when you ignore his, 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 the fact that he is potentially a, you know, a old, all sec type defensive end. I mean, he has that kind of potential on film. He's, he's got the frame. He's got the burst. He's got the wingspan. So I, I think you, I think you let it ride and you just keep letting this, if you keep landing all these defensive linemen, Caleb, I think you just, you ride the heater until it stops. Uh,
1: you know, you touched on one thing. I think is, uh interesting. Look at, and I haven't really over deep into I guess would be the 25 class but I think and I think Oklahoma I, I the same way well so you said the defensive line class isn't great right
3: well it's and, and it may not be it's it's so hard it's a year away but here's yeah. the here's the warning signs one there's not a like top five defensive end from Missouri just wanting to be an Oklahoma sooner so there's no five star <laughs> there's no it's like we got PJ and Williams when it's like well Surely there's another one like next year, right? You guys can keep giving us five-star defensive linemen. There's not. There's not a David Stone in-state. The in-state class is great, but and really talented, but there's not one elite defensive interior lineman in the whole class. Yeah, it's
1: more linebackers and the yeah, second cheetah you know, types. Edge,
3: edge rushers. Edge, yeah. And and the four best defensive tackles in Texas are from. Lufkin, which OU has always had problems recruiting, although they did get um, uh, McFarland, Jamarcus McFarland from there. Uh, and then the, the rest of them are in the Houston area. So it's, it's I think one is um, like in, Bo- in the Beaumont area. So it's the four looking defensive tackles right now, big guys, are all in an area where OU has not really landed kids. And then the best other, def- the best defensive tackles, defensive end kind of guys, the six five two seventy unicorns, they're all, there's two in Georgia, one in South Carolina and one in Mississippi. So it's not exactly territories where OU has proven to date that they can go in and, and steal a five-star. One of the guys is already committed to Georgia and the other best guy is Elijah Griffin and he's at Savannah. He's at a private school in Savannah. He's fantastic, but Obviously, you know, pulling him from Savannah will will, will will be difficult at best. So if I was OU knowing how many defensive linemen they're losing and you just lost Derek LeBlanc, right? So I would – I'd load up in this class, you know, um, to use a very sort of old-style cliche phrase, uh, take pie when pie is served.
1: No, look, I, I agree with you, and, and you kind of walk through – the reasons why I think, uh, you know, you see a good class right there in front of you. You know, you have a top heavy roster. And, you know, I think the reality is, you uh, know, Bothroyd's gone. Uh, you know, the the likelihood is potential. The trace Ford has said this openly, you know, in his perfect world, he comes in, he's healthy the full year. Has another year where he's close or does lead the Big Twelve in Sacks and he he wants to go to the NFL. So, you know, you could be looking at replacing Reggie Grimes, Trace Ford, Rondell Bothroyd, and you know, uh and, and where I think it makes sense is of the group. I I really this is how highly I think of Danny. I think Danny and Williams are both uh guys that are impact players. They walk in, they're with PJ and Ethan Downs. That's probably your rotation. Right, you've got PJ as a sophomore, Ethan as a senior. Then you've got two five-star potential guys that potentially are in Norman for three years, yeah, maybe four, but three years and off the NFL. So it gives you ability. Hey, we'll we'll take Wyatt Gilmore and we'll take Zena Umazulu and we'll redshirt you guys. And then you know once Ethan's gone, now you guys are fighting for. It's yeah, it's how you build a roster and and how you yeah. reload rather than rebuild.
3: Yeah, so there's one guy. In, sorry, it's one one guy in Galveston, one guy at Lufkin, and the best player is DJ Sanders. I've watched him on film; he looks really good, but he is in he is in Belleville, Texas, which is not anywhere near Dallas. It's sort of in between um, San Antonio and Houston, if I recall right. My my Texas geography not being like a specialty there, so. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of chatter about this uh, uh, Gus Cordova kid. Um, there was a, that people have been talking about and some other names as a defensive tackle from the North Carolina area called Isaiah Campbell that OU just offered that seems to be pretty interested in the Sooners. But yeah, but it's just, it's, it's, you know, and it's the, like
2: ta- the other Lee Summit North guy,
3: right? Yeah, but he's a nose. He's, he's okay. six, he's six one three ten. He's probably a very effective nose guard. But, you know, when you're talking about, you don't when, when I'm talking about is, you know, I mean, Matt, we've been lucky that OU's been able to get sort of these sort of six foot five, you know, six foot four sort of elite unicorns kind of running, you know, big guys that could run that you just, everybody wants, you know, the, the best ones right now are, like I said, it's, it's, it's Miami Central, it's Savannah, it's the guy who's already committed to Georgia. It's Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's Tallahassee. It's Saraland, Alabama. Um, you know, then it's Birmingham, Alabama, and then it's like Florence, South Carolina, and uh, ten- Nashville, Tennessee. That's the like top fifteen kids on the D line side of things, the bigger D line. That's uh, doesn't, that, I'm not seeing a lot of wins with those with that geography right now. I mean, oh, you will be in the SEC, but just being realistic, you know you know, 18 months out, you know, I mean, we didn't even know who Jonah uh, Yandier was this time last year. So players pop up. It's not, you know, it's not, a, you know, Williams Ranieri kind of popped a little bit out of nowhere this time before, you know, the, from the last year for the, you know, in the 23 class when we were talking about PJ, we were like, Oh, and there's this other guy Williams that might be really good. So names can pop up, but if I was OU, I would, if, if you're, Look, if you're making, if you're at the point where you're having to decide between um, Dominic McKinley and um, Danny Okoye, you know, that's, that don't make us, I use this phrase in our last pod, you know, don't, don't make a defensive line Sophie's Choice situation happen, you know, um, to use that movie reference, Meryl Streep having to choose in the concentration camp, which kid to kill, the Nazi guy makes her. You know, don't don't make me choose between McKinley and Okoye. I don't want to do it. I'm taking both. It's not a if you say it's not a lifeboat ethic situation. You can only have one. No, I'm not accepting that as a as a response. We're taking both. We'll 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 cut someone else if we need to. So, you know, um, it's just, you know, it, it could be, you know, cause you can always red shirt a couple of the guys. Um, you know, a couple a couple of players could benefit from a red shirt, you know. Uh, so it's, it's, if you're in this position, it's like the, it's like the Alabama, Georgia, Clemson world. Like if OU's in that world where they're juggling to try and figure out whether to add five-star Dominic McKinley or, and their evaluation, five-star Danny Okoye, the answer is both. It's not one.
1: No, it's, if you want to go movies, it's a, it's a Gary Oldman in the professional when he turns to, you know, his partner and says, everyone, <laughs>
3: right? <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly. It's like you know, we're not we're not screwing around. You know, especially going into the SEC because you know to to to. We're back on another topic. I was talking with um, Barry. We've been doing Twitter Spaces to give a plug for that on Tuesdays, and we're going to do a Twitter Space right after the Taylor Tatum announcement, hopefully. And I was mentioning that you know you want that a top five, top ten class is is you know everybody says you got to have that before. You got to have that before you can be a, kind of a national championship contender. And I was kind of saying, it's to me, it's more that you've got like 10 to 12 elite kids in the recruiting class. You got to have like 10 guys that you consider to be sort of elite. And, you know, and then Jeff Ketchum posted this thing that's a little probably geared towards Texas looking better than they should. And he's mentioning sort of like super blue chips. And he never really classifies what they are. But let's just say they're top consensus, top 100 kids, right? And when you look at OU's roster right now, he says we have, OU has eight of those kids. And I'm betting other than Billy Bowman and Savion Bird, I'm betting the rest of those are freshmen. So OU's roster needs an infusion of, of super blue chips. So if you can take if you can land five or six defensive linemen that fit in that category, do that.
1: Which a little plug for the site, go to the site. I ran the numbers of composite top one hundred and fifty players that Texas has signed in the trailing five classes. And what we found is about three of them are actually in their starting projected starting. Yeah. unit. The rest of them have all transferred out or are like Alfred Collins. So they're sitting on third string watching other kids play. So, you know, it's a, uh, those are always fun talking points when you can take data and manipulate it and say, look, I got the answer I was looking for. Like, okay. Yeah.
3: Good yeah, job. Work work backwards from that. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's, so for a long conversation about positives there, uh, Matt, that's where, because things are going well, right. Going well to the point that, you know, people are starting to make some projections about what this OU class could be. Um, and I do that if, I do that every month we have my august projection coming up I've already got it open on my desktop uh, starting to tinker around with it but yeah it's it's we were stalled I think for a little bit I think you know with um you know a, a very good wide receiver maybe the best tight end they've gotten in 18 years a nose guard that they beat ohio state for I think it's fair to say and possibly the number one running back in the country in two days. Uh, OU's got momentum now. Momentum is moving. Well, before we get to some
2: of those other commits that are coming up uh, in the schedule, you mentioned a little bit ago, Chris, names always pop up. Uh, Bill We've we've gone over that
3: multiple weeks now. And we, we were asking, where, where are the new names, Bill? Where are the new names?
2: Well, we, we've mentioned one or two of these guys last week, but Chris, do you want to refresh some of these names and uh, this new name that is actually new to me tonight?
3: <laughs> yeah, so the first name we just mentioned is Josh Iasosa, offensive guard from uh, Edmund Santa Fe, uh, 6'3", 6'4", 300 pounds, Um, we'll let Caleb do a little bit of an analysis on him coming up here in a bit. Uh, His offer list, his best offers are probably Tulsa and Iowa state. And some people are looking at it and going there, but to me, you know, it's, you got to look at tape and you've got to look at what offensive lineman can be because it's, it's the worst evaluated, worst graded position by the recruiting services. It just, it just is Tyler Guyton defensive tackle in high school. And then all of a sudden you know, Bill, I think it is maybe his best evaluation from the portal. Takes one look at him when he hits the portal and realizes there's a six foot seven, three hundred-pound guy who moves like an like, you know, moves like a power forward. Yeah, I I, I can make that guy a tackle. So speaking of raw evaluations, and again, I'll let Caleb talk about it more. Oh, you also offer Daniel Aiken Kumi from the NFL Academy in London. And we have an interview from him coming up. Um I think the first interview of any of the sites with him should be on our site in a a day or two. Daniel's a fascinating guy. It's interesting talking to um, a player born in England who started playing American football only two years ago and is at an NFL academy that is starting to produce good college players. So it's an interesting offer. We'll let Caleb talk about it a little bit more. I'll I'll provide a little more context about What's he, what's he doing and where he's from? And then the surprise offer is, so OU has offered Northwestern commit and quarterback Brendan Z- Zerbrug? Zerbrug. I'm going with Zerbrug. He's from Ohio. And we, we kind of thought when OU lost Samaj Jones that, okay, a portal quarterback is kind of where OU would go. But then OU offered Trevor Jackson, who – doesn't look like OU's going to be much of a factor with, I think, to be honest. He's an elite 11. He, he, his stock rose at elite 11. I think he's looking to be the number one quarterback at a school, the, the only quarterback in the class. And then OU, according to 247, is looking at Old Miss decommit quarterback from Aris, Chandler, Arizona, uh, Damond Williams, who's interesting on tape. It's It's hard to – he makes a couple of plays on tape, and you're kind of – you, kind of con- you can kind of convince yourself, since he's like 5'11", 180, he's really mobile in the pocket. You can kind of like say, well, that, that's a little Kyler-like. Now, I don't think he has Kyler's arm, and he doesn't have Kyler's, you know, just unreal mobility and ability to escape.
1: No, so it's, it's it, funny because I, I watched him and I thought, hey, is that, is that a little Bryce youngish?"
3: yeah uh, yeah that's another name yeah but
1: the, the other name i was coming up with though is what is the penn state transfer that came into oklahoma never saw the field and we all were scratching our head against texas why oh,
2: micah bowens yeah.
1: yeah i thought or yeah. is that micah bowens i wasn't sure
3: who was from who's from bishop gorman from gorman. las vegas yeah so you know played quarterback at a good high school so it's i mean they're like flashes caleb where i'm watching that i'm like yeah yeah it's like bryce it's like yeah it's like bryce and i'm like and even has one player i'm like Well, that was kind of Kyler-like. Wow, how the hell did he pull that off? But um, so there's a lot to work with there, but they haven't offered him yet. But they did offer Zerberg. He's a big, long athlete. He's got some good track experience. And the number one thing I will say from his highlights is he does a great job extending the play in the pocket and continuing to look downfield. He's making – he's – Scrambling, scrambling, looking, 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 and throwing at the last moment, and and hitting guys downfield. Like, so he does a good job with that. I I have no idea OU's level, his level of OU interest, but all this tells me that OU wants a high second high school quarterback, and that may be in addition to trying to do something in the portal as well. Just because, you know, the previous coaching staff, not to belabor it, really kind of screwed up the OU quarterback room. If if OU, if you know, they they just screwed it up. And trying to, and in this portal environment, trying to fix that is is incredibly hard. Especially if, as we project, and everybody who follows OU projects that Jackson Arnold is going to be the backup and, and is going to get into the, probably get into some games, and and everything we're hearing and everything everybody else is hearing is saying that you know Jackson Arnold is looking you know, is looking like a de facto starter for 2024. So it's, it's hard. It's going to be the quarterback juggling thing is going to be, it's going to be hard for OU to fix this, but the, the Zerbrug kid, he, I, he's certainly worth an offer. He would certainly be, you know, an excellent second high school quarterback in this class.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely with you. I think you're looking at, I mean, and well, this is all we are. Cause we don't know a lot of things, right? You're not talking to his high school coach. You're not, you know, you don't know the parents. You don't know a lot of things, but like the things that we do know, right. It's six, four, 185, 190 pounds, big kid, well built, 300 meter, and I think 110 meter hurdle state qualifier. I think he's like fifth place in Ohio. Uh, plays against good competition, winning team, has a bunch of offers to whether it's Northwestern. I think he chose between Northwestern and Syracuse, and chose obviously Northwestern. Uh, but you know, sophers a lot of got a lot of Northwesterns, Dartmouth, Colgate. Pin uh, on top of Power Five offers, just meaning like intelligent kid. So, like if you're betting on traits, you're looking at okay, checks the size, checks athleticism, checks intelligence. Now get him on the field, put him in a system, see how he processes information. But you know you've got the ability to have someone that you maybe develop into you know really good
3: player. Yeah, you're trying. You're just trying to get a quarterback room in 2025 that has. You know Jackson Arnold theoretically in his last year. Kevin Sperry has just enrolled, and you have someone in between that can push Kevin Sperry. Uh, they can push Kevin Sperry to be a starter. That you're not just in this de facto mode a little bit. What like Lincoln Riley was doing, like you know five star, nothing five star, and the guy just walks onto campus and presumes he's going to be the guy you want. <laughs> You want some competition for a change.
1: That and I mean, for me, like just following and digging into the levy tree and the levy offense, let's say, right? Whether it's Kendall Bryles, Jeff, Art, Dino Babers, all these guys, I could count on one hand and I'll have plenty of fingers left over in the last 10 to 15 years. How many quarterbacks on any of those teams? Those
3: finish these, the season.
1: Finish the season. And you look at even last year Tennessee, great year, right? What happened to Hendon Hooker? Boom, they just they go so they go empty so much, and so many of the concepts are you know, down the down the field vertical. Those guys take a beating. I guess Matt Corral finished the season, but you know he even against. Well, then, ours, it, then he was, said he, he was. Yes, I mean that right?
3: Baylor Baylor like play three uh, the Sika guy I think or the the massive nose guard fell on top of him and he was done.
1: Yeah, well, I remember it was at, you know, uh, I think one of Baylor's seasons where they were really on a tear. I think it was uh, 15 when Oklahoma beat him went to the playoff. You know, they were really good, but they'd already uh, – I forget the kid that
3: – Yeah, he broke his back. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Went to Over- Five, Over- yeah, five-star
1: kid. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. Uh, yeah,
3: you beat him up.
1: Yeah, and they end up finishing – they ended up finishing the year against both Texas in the final game and then against uh, North Carolina in their bowl game, having to run Wildcat. And they had a receiver that was high school quarterback. They, I think they ran for like 600 and some yards on North Carolina and won that bowl game. But, you know, just all that in a long way to say, like, <laughs> unless Jeff changes things, particularly as it relates to protection concepts, which Bill probably has a hand in, obviously, and you, you, better, you better stack a quarterback room.
3: Yeah, so it's 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 looking like OU. I, I'd love for OU to get a second high school quarterback and also find someone in the portal. I just don't know. That it's hard because you don't want to, you know, I'm I I don't want to you know, I don't want to kick someone with it down. But you've got to get something better than um, Davis Bevel in the portal if you're going to try and do that. You just do. I mean, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, he he struggled terribly when given an opportunity last year, and and he and we. All think he's now the third string quarterback behind a behind a true freshman, right? I mean, I mean, the spring game certainly gave the indication of that. So so yeah, the the quarterback thing is gonna get a lot more interesting, Matt. Wouldn't shock me if we if as this season went on, if we didn't see a couple more names kind of pop up, like with some of the maybe some of the chaos that goes on in college football, we didn't see a, a name or two pop up. All right, well,
2: we'll keep an eye on that. Stick to the board as well for these names. They're popping up left and right. Uh, before we get into a deep dive into some of these newest commitments with Caleb,
3: Chris, real quick, what is the commitment timeline coming up? Okay, so we already mentioned Tatum and Michael Patterson-McDonald. So the next big name that has an announcement date, it looks like Williams-Nawari is sticking with the 8-1 announcement date. And to what Caleb was indicating, everything is kind of saying Oklahoma right now. We were pretty confident about that after his visit with our sources. It's just, it's been a little time since then. So that's trending very much positively for OU. And let's not undersell this. He's the number one rated player on the on three composite. And I, the last... The last guy I could remember OU getting that it was the like a definitive number one player in the country was just this 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 small guy that has a small nickname called um uh Adrian Peterson. So that kind of man, that kind of bodes well in in that. And then Caden Durham is gonna commit 825 after his game with South Oak Cliff, I believe. And that's very much trending to be LSU and OU and I you could convince me it could go either way on that commitment and we'll see what happens. I'm I'm wondering if the Taylor Tatum, if Taylor Tatum chooses OU, if that maybe impacts Kadem a little bit. It's one thing to theoretically be the, the second running back in a class or the third running back in a class. It's another thing to actually be um behind the number one composite running back in the in in the country. So we'll see what happens there. And then Braden Platt, again, is going to select between Oregon and OU um, on September 4th. That's his mom's birthday, I believe. And this is a – this is – we. so, Matt, everything's pretty much been going to chalk a little bit other than the, the Jaden Jackson thing, kind of like, well, what the hell happened there? But everything else has been going kind of chalk. We know when OU's dropping off guys, and they never seem to get any momentum back. But right now, I think Braden Platt – is an Oregon OU true 50-50 battle. And if he doesn't tip off anything in terms of visits before the dead period, kicks in August 1st, I think it's going to be a interesting back and forth on, 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 you know, distance would tell you Oregon. Track and field's also a weird factor. But, you know, but linebacker says OU. And OU is, you know, just pretty much thinks Platt is maybe the best inside linebacker prospect in the country. So that's interesting. And then we've got Nigel Smith on nine on um, nine eight. That's when Melissa unveils their new stadium. It looks like an OU, Texas, and maybe Ohio State or Penn State kind of battle. And OU's been trending heavily there. His Twitter traffic after Jaden Jackson committed was awfully. I'm I'm awfully, like, I'm an OU commit-like if you want to read too much into social media. So that's where we are. We're waiting on, I think, Eugene Brooks sometime in the next month, probably Grant Bricks before the season starts. And we're obviously, again, waiting on David Stone. It's just, what well, when's the date? Give us a date, David.
2: Well, some dates that have already passed. Especially recently, Zion Reagans has committed to OU as well as David Mitchell and Jaden Jackson. So Caleb, let's do uh let's do a deep dive on your evaluation of these guys and we'll go ahead and start with the latest commit and Zion Reagans from Georgia.
1: I mean, oh, I hate, I always hate giving like certain comps. And like this one's such an easy one in every way shape and form but it's really difficult it's only- Malcolm I mean- Kelly
3: right it's Malcolm Kelly That's just-
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> six four and a quarter and like 220 uh it, it, it's Hollywood Brown and and Barry did a pretty good job on the board and and I pulled up some uh you know some some cut up some gifts to kind of give an idea of it but I mean even his stride length and his gait everything you know it how he looks in pads and almost an oversized helmet because he, you know, is is a lean guy. Everything about his game just screams Hollywood, uh, you know, absolute elite burner. Uh, but he's not, he's not a one trick pony in that, you know, you watch what the West high school team does a lot of, and they'll put him in the backfield, get him the ball really quick, you know, and, Uh, on the perimeter, put him in a slot, you know, throw quick screens to him. And then clearly it's 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 some deep balls. But he just runs by everybody. I think he's got hundred meter times at 10, 2, 2. Uh, as a junior, uh, I think he's two or three time uh Georgia state champion in the 100 meter. Uh, he's truly, you know, an an elite, elite sprinter. And, you know, I talk about this a lot. I think it's probably we can talk about this if we get into, you know, rankings and how they do that. It's one of the holes for me in the ranking systems, you know, because if you're an NFL room, if you're in, you know, if you're in those or even in college, right? Like you're putting your board together based on fit. Right Not only character fit and things like that, but scheme fit, and like Zion Reagan's you know, in this offense at Oklahoma runs, he's just an ideal scheme fit because so much is built on let's try to stretch you vertically, let's try to stretch you know and stretch you horizontally, get guys in space one on one with these choice routes, and uh you know if if he eats up the cushion on that d b it's go vertical, right, just get going, and, and he's got the ability to do that against. You know, most any uh, corner, and we saw what happens when you try to play off coverage. Was it in 2014 in Norman against Baylor against those choice routes? Go ahead, play off coverage. We'll just against, throw a seven against
3: those. They're track wide receivers too, right? Yeah, I
1: mean. yeah. We'll just throw an eight yard hitch and take eight yards down the field. You know, all day, all day. Uh, so yeah, it's he, he starts to add. That's why I really. And I know a lot of people don't probably KJ Daniels, I think is one of the forgotten guys of the class, but when you look at the wide receiver class as a whole and people can say, I'm a little bit concerned about carry on because he's so big, but you look at what they've added as a whole of a unit and they've got, it's really unique. I think they did. They've quietly done an unbelievable job with that wide receiver room of completely reshaping it and adding various pieces and various tools to be able to counter. Okay. You want to play off, right? You know, you know, play off this guy right oh you want you want to crowd you know and and work him all right crowd this guy it's they've, they've they've done a really good job i think reagan's will uh it'll be interesting to see i never would have guessed that hollywood brown would have made as fast of an impact as he did his first year out of jc and norman he was i think what they said he showed up like at 154 pounds or something you know
3: but and he was yeah. only, and he was only. OU only took him because oh, I escaping his name. He went to TCU and ended up with the Eagles instead. Oh yeah, and he's not Jalen
2: Rager. And they only Rager. they
3: only took him because Jalen Rager flipped on OU and went to and went to TCU instead. OU's was like, well, we need another speed receiver, and they
1: we need to add speed to that room, and they went and and got the first. Speed.
3: So the one yeah. thing that annoys me, Caleb, rankings wise, is that. um Reagan started the year around like number 73, right? Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like in January, he was like number 73 in the country. And he steadily dropped while no one, you know, he's dropped like 120 spots while no mm-hmm. one's played football and no one's really tackling him, right? He's gone to some camps. He looks smaller, right? Yeah. And some, of the, some of the camp settings, some of the DBs are probably, you know, are probably manhandling him a little bit. So he's dropped, but I'm like, I've watched all three of his years, of highlight film. He's just, it's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? And and pads, no one's putting a hand on him.
1: Yeah. And I don't even know if he's gone. I don't even know if he's been like worked or covered at camps. I think, you know, in some ways, maybe he
3: skipped the same, maybe he skipped the camps, but it's like, it's like all of a sudden everyone's like, well, let's just forget his film. Let's just forget him blowing past Georgia high school football talent left and right. And, yeah, I and, and drop him because he's small. I
1: think for the recruiting sites, it becomes similar to what you see in the NFL draft and the run up with all yeah. the talking heads. Not so much with the you know, guys in the room that are doing the decision making, but with the talking heads, they'll talk themselves in and out of moving players wherever based on any trait. And I think you probably that's what it is. They start looking at Reagan's like, oh, gosh, he's five, nine and 150, 155 pounds. That's really too small. You know, this other guy over here is six, two, and he's you know two he's 195 pounds. I was like, yeah, well, the other guy runs like 11'1", and he runs 10, two, Like the other guy doesn't separate. He separates from everyone, right? It's so and again,
3: <laughs> again like, Gary Oldman. Gary to, Oldman. trying to try to tackle this guy is a little bit like send everyone and and you know, man, I watch his highlight reels, and there's like defenders have angles on him, left and right. And it's it's and he's just like Uh he's just blowing. blowing, They're like they're never tackling him. I don't think he got like tackled. Like he may have got tackled a couple of times on like some real simple plays. But most of the time, it's like his first highlight. He's taking like a swing pass. He's running past everybody, and there's one defender waiting on him, and he just sort of goes. And he just and the guy just like loses his mind trying to process how fast he's going, and he just he just just he just. He just jukes past him and then he's like, yeah, you're you're not, you're not catching me. You're not catching me. The burner's on it.
1: I think he's got the potential to be absolutely held on wheels in the slot in those really wide splits that Oklahoma utilizes with, because, yeah, you nailed it right there, right? Like you've got to give him room now because in the slot, he's got a two way go on you. Like he can run that way. So you're going to have to keep that safety further inside. Well, guess what? Now, you know, is now Zion Kearney or you know, uh or Jacques West is on the outside and they are one on one. There is no help over the top, you know, and that's hey, we're gonna take shots. It's like the old Raiders, right? It's like ah, we're gonna take two a quarter. <laughs> you know, we're gonna hit two of these each game. You're gonna get his two pass interferences, but we're gonna take two a quarter.
3: But but he also gets the ball although you know they I mean he's I mean jet sweeps with him nightmare nightmare for a defender, right? I mean he goes in motion you know, you're all going to be like, okay, everybody, you know, pay attention to him. It's just, it's, it's, I just found his ranking dropping a little odd because, you know, you know, Barry did a good job mentioning this on our message board that, you know, the size thing's completely overblown. And you look at two of the, you know, sure. Quinton Johnson was the number one wide receiver taken in the NFL draft, right. For, for legitimate reasons. But the next two guys are what, is it Zay Flowers from Boston college? And then Jordan Addison from, Well, from Pittsburgh, USC, and they're both like 170 pounds. They're not big guys. Yeah, no. The game,
1: the game has just changed with you know with well all the rules, right? So, like the rules that got implemented, so Peyton Manning could win a Super Bowl, uh, and and, you know where they (laughs) said, "Hey, that's what it was." Let's be honest. They said, "Hey, the Patriots are roughing up these receivers. We're gonna you can't touch them after three. Before you know, you could could touch them as long as the ball wasn't in the air." So, you know, they've they've the way it works now, you can't, the strike zone is shortened. You can't have these big, you know, big impacts, big, big collisions, rather, on receivers. And it's made, you know, these types of guys, uh, whether it's Nicole Hardeman or it's, you know, Hollywood Brown in the NFL or, you know, uh, I'm calling like compare him to Tyreek Hill, although he's got crazy speed like that, right? Well, Jalen Waddle,
3: Jalen Waddle, right? With the Dolphins, uh-huh. you know, Waddle and Hill are terrorizing people.
1: Yeah, I mean Barry talks about this a lot. Kudos to him, right? Like it's really a game about closing space or creating space, and he's got the ability to do that. You know, whether he turns into a guy that's a thousand yard receiver and a first round draft pick, or if he is just that piece of the puzzle that you know complements everybody and is an impact impact guy because of that trait, I think I think you know it's a win for Oklahoma either in either scenario. And he's
2: not like this you know, uh, track sprinter out there can only go from point A to point B. He's got a lot, a lot of natural fluidity in his game too. Uh, Chris, you mentioned one of those plays where he's in the open field and the defender's trying to get an angle on him. He does a really good job of, of not, uh, allowing a defender to square him up even with the speed, you know, he's got, he's got good hips. He's got good patience. He can he can kind of throttle up and down a little bit. Um, so he's not just this track burner uh like uh Trey Franks, not to throw a former sooner under the bus. Uh legit track speed, not a great football player.
3: I think Reagans Franks, has a little bit more of that. And to your point, did Trey Franks never looked f- like 4-3 to me in pads? Right? But this guy in pads. He, I mean, he looks, I mean, he looks fast. I mean, Gay Biker and and Teddy were talking about him today and they're like, man, that kid is, is fast. I don't know what fast is, but that kid is fast. And it's like, you know, sometimes you just speed guys don't, the speed isn't, their track speed isn't translate onto the football field. To me, his, his speed is just all over the place when you look at his, uh, his highlights.
1: Yeah, he's he's a good uh, model for that old saying, right? Like you get scouts that will tell you when you don't care as much about what guys run at the NFL combine because fast guys run fast. Yeah, that's that's Reagan's. He's fast on tape and he runs fast in, you know, track or
2: wherever else he's he's just fast. Well, these next two guys we're going to talk about aren't quite in the same category, especially Jaden Jackson. uh, But that's not a problem for him. Uh, but before we get to him, we'll get to Davin Mitchell, the tight end who committed to OU, is reclassifying to the 2024 class about 6'4", 245. Caleb, what do you think about Mitchell's game?
1: Uh, you know, and I guess we'll be rehashing quick what, what Chris and I talked on uh, you know, I think he he belongs in that same group with Mark Andrews and Jermaine Gresham in terms of talent that at Oklahoma signed at the tight end position. I think he's very, he's think he's very different than Mark, uh, uh, and he's. I think his game compares more to where Jermaine's what his was at Oklahoma. It wasn't that at Ardmore; he was more of a a big wide receiver that was just a freak out there. Uh, But, you know, he got into Oklahoma and Kevin Wilson taught him how to block and he became just an absolute chess piece. And Urban Meyer would talk about when they, they had seen nothing like Jermaine Gresham when they got ready for Oklahoma in that Orange Bowl. And that was their biggest... Concern was how do we stop this guy? Which I go back to always understanding why Oklahoma ran the ball on the goal line because their defense was geared to stopping the play action pass and in Jermaine. It's just they had a guard go the wrong way. But I digress. Uh, you know he, he's got the ability to be just a complete tight end. You know my comp uh, or where I think he can be is is you know like a Ben Watson. Uh, at Georgia. And I know Ben ran four or five at the combine, but kind of go back to that. I don't think Ben played four or five flat fast, uh, but he was plenty fast. He's just got the ability to be a complete tight end. You can play him in line. You can put him in the slot. Uh, He can, he can muscle up and run through safeties and corners. He can run away from linebackers. He can block. And the thing I'm most interested in is just seeing he's so young where he goes physically you know, because he is six four, two fifty, but there's that picture floating around of him standing next to Jason Witten at the Oklahoma camp where there's you know Jason and
3: DeMarco. He, are looks, good friends. he looks like six six, six four, six five. I mean, he does he
1: looks as big as Witten and I looked yeah. it up. Yeah, Witten measured like I think six six at the combine, you know, and so like I don't know how big this kid is. And you look at him physically and, and there's pictures of him working out with his shirt off and like he's still just developing. I think he probably won't end up two seventy-five or anything like that. But you know, what he's gonna be physically, uh, you know, I don't know. Like he may have I think he's got the potential to, to exit Oklahoma. Again, he's coming in. I would put him right there with Jermaine and Mark uh, and Mark. Andrews, I think he's got the potential to exit right there with them you know, in the same breath, which is saying a lot because, you know, Mark Andrews, I mean, Jermaine Gresham made, I think a couple of Pro Bowls first round draft pick. I don't three know, Mark,
3: three, three contracts, three NFL contracts, three
1: NFL contracts, you know, and if not for, I think I can think it's safe to say this, it's pretty, pretty well known, right? Lincoln Riley had some negative things to say about Mark Andrews in the pre-draft process. It's one of the reasons Mark holds a grudge. Uh, kind of, he thinks it pushed his stock down. He he has some words about, you know, uh, him, like, but he's, he's exiting. What he, what is he setting on? Like he's highest paid tight end. I think in the NFL he's, you know, multiple time pro bowler, all pro type guy,
3: arguably the best in the NFL. So that's. All all doing this. Why, while he, while managing his diabetes, right? I mean. Oh yeah. He's
1: a like first ballot hall of fame, like just story. Uh, You know, we'll see if he can make it on the field, but he's, he's on that track with the career he's having right now. You know, and I think we talked about this a little bit, right? And you'd bring up Travis Kelsey as like a hey, there's you know these are maybe the two best tight ends, and it's like, ah, and one of them plays in a with a run first quarterback, the other plays with what you know if he keeps on this track. Well,
3: he, and the uh, you know, and Andy Reid, Andy Reid, yeah. always has had, has had old pro tight ends his entire coaching career, right? I mean, he's great,
1: he's great. At, comes from at, those, with, the, yeah. with the
3: with the with Green Bay, Philadelphia, I mean, he's always. Just it's part of that, end. you know, yeah. in a
1: certain way, part of that Bill Walsh tree, right? Yeah. Uh, that should go back to coming from, you know. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's got the potential to be, you know, he should be a five-star. And we can get into that conversation of how all that works, but he's got that first-round type potential.
3: And Matt, I, to, to echo the title of our pod last week, he's also saved um, Joe John Finley's bacon in terms of being um, being roasted by OU fans. They had a... Rotisserie spit ready for Joe John Finley right next to the Bill Biedenbaugh spit. Because if they missed on Mitchell, it was a massive, massive failure in tight end recruiting. OU's not had any other tight ends come in. The only other guy was Cooper Alexander. He chose Iowa State. OU kind of offered him late. Joe John Finley didn't get visits from um, Jaden Riddell or Carter Nelson, the two other sort of in-region tight ends. We weren't able to steal another tight end from Nebraska. So, Matt, this is not only saved, you know, a lot of criticism for, for Joe John, but it's also filled, I think, the number one roster gap looking for 2024's roster overall, that bringing in this guy who says he's going to enroll early, uh, he, he's a threat to, if you're asking, like, who could be the freshman, the biggest impact freshman of this class, And knowing some of the guys we think OU is going to get, I might still say Davin Mitchell,
2: which is wild to think about because not only is he reclassifying to a year early, he's claiming he's also enrolling early, so he'll be on campus you know eighteen ish months before he really should be graduating, right? And Caleb, you mentioned what's his body going to be like? Well, when you're you know, 17, 18, 19, that's kind of that age where your biggest transition happens. And if he's having that transition all on campus with Schmitty, he could be a night, a 20 year old NFL early entry. Right. Without a doubt. I mean, with,
1: without, without doubt, like I, it's, you know, uh, harken back to again, that, that seeing him just physically standing there with, uh, with Jason Witten, but it was, you
3: potential hall of famer, Jason Witten, right? We're not, I think not he under,
1: is, isn't he? Or he, he will be, he will be. Under, he's a hall of famer. We're not yeah.
3: underselling that Jason Witten is like, I mean, you know, he was six six two sixty 260 and ran like a four, six in the combine. I mean, this is, this is like elite, I mean, this is like elite territory we're talking about here
1: yeah just i mean just you know again like just kind of sizing him up like because witten's a he's an interesting one like I, I know like some scouts that would have told you like they scouted him coming out of tennessee they thought eh, he's he'll he's not going to be a great player uh but you know they watched him as like this guy's open all the time makes every catch does everything right yeah and we'll Put on a gold jacket, but just seeing him, you know, standing there physically with a guy, and I'm looking at it right now. You know, Jason Witten at the NFL Combine was six five three quarters inch, two hundred and sixty four pounds, thirty two and a half inch arms, you know, and just under ten inch hands, eight. So I mean, just looking at him physically, standing next to him at seventeen, he looks every bit of six foot five. He's bigger than his listed six four. He looks that two fifty really lean. Yeah, and I mean to your point, like, what is he going to be in two years, three years? And for all of, for those, you know, all that, for all that time is going to be under, you know, Oklahoma's uh, nutrition staff under Schmitty. He's, yeah, he, he's a, he is a unique guy. He, he's unique physically. That's and again, that's why I go back to, I think from a trait perspective, why I would say he's, he's, he is a, he was a five-star in the 25 class. And for me, he would still be a five-star because of the traits
2: Well, maybe that's a good segue into the the ranking silliness as Chris put it in our notes. If you're a five-star, you're a five-star, right?
3: Apparently not, unless you're Quinn Ewers and you're at the most cerebral difficult position where skipping a year of high school is maybe the last thing you need to do. Yeah. At at, At quarterback, right? I mean, like, You know, we, I still think Spencer Rattler was hurt by missing most of his senior year of high school, you know, and Quinn Ewers skipped it, went to Ohio State, did nothing, couldn't really break into there. Um, You know, but, but all the sites, they re, I mean, I look back and they actually reclassified when he reclassified, they ranked Quinn Ewers ahead of Caleb Williams, which is just like, now you just, that's like the funniest thing possible. Right. I mean, it's like, how in the world could you have viewed Quinn Ewers missing a year of high school being better than Caleb Williams? It's just, it seems just crazy.
2: And some of the other guys too, uh, Lebius Overton comes to mind a little OU connection there. Yep. Um, he they ended kept up him being a, they, yeah, 18th they kept him a five, yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. He went from like third to 18th.
2: Who okay. was the DB that we were talking about the
1: other day too? Tony Grimes went yes. to, uh, he reclassified yeah. in the summer little, and went um, to North Carolina yeah. and he's now transferred to Texas A&M. But yeah, you, you really hit on something like I didn't even think about Chris, right? The Quinn Ewers, because it, apparently this is my understanding, right? The way they project if you are a five star. And I remember Josh saying this way back in the day. I think it's changed was, hey, are you, there was two parts. Are you a program changing, which is, that's, kind of, that's really changed because the number of guys that have done that, it's like, oh, Reggie Bush did that at USC and Adrian Peterson did that at Oklahoma. And, you know, that's been about hit. Maybe there's a quarterback I met, Tim Tebow, maybe did that at Florida that was like program changing because that's you're talking transcendent off the field as well as on the field. But it's really been, are you, do you project to have the traits to be a potential first round draft pick, right? Do you have that type of ability to, to be that guy? You know, and I talked about this on the on the pod that we didn't get you, know, you guys in here. But like I thought Matt Nagy made a really good point. I know Stetson Bennett is on Twitter and Stetson Bennett like fired back, but he was probably guarantee a drunk. He, the dude's <laughs> always is. And he'll be doing the same thing this fall that we're going to be doing come NFL Sundays. And that's watching the games from the couch. But like he the point Matt Nagy made was the NFL is a game of DNA right it's a game of like physical traits and like 90% of the guys in that league it's just he used ziggy Ansa as an example of a guy that didn't play high school football came into the us from africa and he saw him like as a freshman at at utah and thought hey, it's a weirdly you know, it's a it's a good looking athlete but watched tape nobody hears a you know a future first rounder saw him in 5 months and said oh my god that guy's a future first round draft pick because of all the physical ability you know Overton fits that. You would say, "Hey, he's got potential." You know, you know, at Texas A&M, maybe that's why you keep him there. You know, Grimes at North Carolina, you're six foot and 185 pounds, and you're on four or three as a corner. You've got that ability. The one position that is less about like the physical overall traits and it's much more cerebral between the years and can you process information and make good decisions in a very short time frame is quarterback. So for Quinn Ewers to continue to be a five star, it's, it's pretty interesting because like that would be one of the things you would look you know look like bill parcells list of the things you want from a first round draft pick and it's top like five things of his 15 or whatever all relate to character and decision making it's it's not so much you know do you have a house or for arm because you know there's a bunch of jamarcus russells and jeff george's out there right there's not a whole lot of pat mahomes uh that have all of it so a long-winded way of saying I don't know how you look at uh, the tight end here, Davin Mitchell, and say, okay, you're six-five, you're two-fifty, you run like this, you've got all the ability in the world, you project to being an absolute nightmare matchup at tight end, and you, in but you have first-round ability, but only in the twenty-five class. Like help me understand because the way the NFL draft works is you have a window that you can go from year three up to like year five or even, you know. So like there's three different draft classes this kid could go into. So don't tell me that, oh, it's because he's now gonna be a part of the twenty seven draft. Like you don't know that. He might and be a part not, of the
3: And it's not like he's a light tight end. It's not like he's six five, two oh five, right? Yes where you're like, where you're like, okay, well, we were projecting he'd be bigger in a year. You know, we were waiting for some weight development. He's six four. Yeah. He's six four, six five, two fifty. He told me that. So it's yeah. it's. I'm like, you know, you know, if it was a, if it was a position where like a linebacker, where he's like, well, you know, we think he's, you know, he's two hundred pounds now. We'll think he'll we think he'll be two fifteen in a year. He's he's he needs that year of development. But he, the kid is is stout, and uh, I think Matt. That leads us into our last analysis. Speaking of large men who are stout on the line of scrimmage, um, Caleb, we got to give you just a couple of minutes to talk about our man, Jaden Jackson, and what having a, an athletic attacking nose guard could do for the OU defense.
1: I mean, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely huge. In uh, you know, again, kind of rehash it. It was one of the interesting things that I heard Todd Bates say last I guess it would have been the first spring, so the spring of '22, when he talked about how they were cross-training the three ta- all defensive tackles playing both three and nose. He said that's something they never did at at uh, at Clemson. You know, they would play a guy like Barese or uh, you know Trevor Lawrence, not Trevor Lawrence, but uh, uh, who is it, Lawrence? Dexter, Dexter Lawrence,
3: Dexter, Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence was there. Dexter Lawrence yeah. was their nose, yeah, nose guard. right, right.
1: But they would play. They would do some different things when they go to like a thirty front, yeah, right? Yeah, but yeah. but it was that was a completely different like sub package. Yeah, but he just mentioned like, hey, we didn't we didn't do this because we had big nose guards and we had athletic three techs. You know, is what he alluded to. It's something that they did not have in Oklahoma, and I think you look at Oklahoma last year, averaging giving up like four point four yards a carry which is in the nineties, I think in uh, everything that you look at about Venables defense, you, if you have anything you can read or what you watch on film, it's built to stop the run. Like it's built, like we're going to stop the run first, make you one dimensional, then we're going to heat you up. And if they have elite edge rushers, Good luck. That's when you're top three. That's when you're the number one defense in the country. If you have just good pass rushers, it'll get really, really uh, interesting with the blitz packages that he'll start bringing. But you have to stop the run. And that's to me, like where Jackson fits in perfectly. You want nose guards to be that. You want them to be 6'2, 320, 315, 310 pounds that are just, you know, at monsters from the lower half down extremely powerful in the upper body and like that's what you my comp for for Jaden was Roy Miller. When I watch him as just this 62 300 plus pound, you know, fireplug kind of in the middle that centers aren't moving out. Uh he's not getting moved off the ball by double teams, which is freeing up your linebackers to run free. It's freeing up your 3 technique to be one-on-one, it's freeing up your your edge guys to be one-on-one. You know, it, it to me it's just it's a really big piece of what I think the, you know, the defense needs. Uh, to be really successful, particularly going into the SEC, to have a have that nose guard that you know when he lines up against the center from LSU and Georgia and Alabama, you're good. He's going to hold up.
2: And even when you kind of pa- paint him into that box of nose guard, one tech type player, he's still very quick.
1: Oh, absolutely! Like I, you watch, like off the ball, up the field. You know, he's a. Uh, i probably, you know, but you don't really care as much, maybe, about, you know, the ability to get flat and run down the line, uh, because you want your nose guard, you know, get up the field, create penetration, knock that center back, play on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. If, you know, if they're running a, you know, a, a wide zone, uh, you know, you've, you've cut that off, uh, the backside immediately. So it, yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back. I remember talking about this, you know, some positions, like there certain positions you just, you look for different traits and you want different things from them, you know, and everybody I think gets enamored and loves like, ah, give me a, a nose guard that can rush the passer. I was like, "Eh, it's, you know, there's never been like a nose guard in the NFL. That's averaged like, you know, 10 plus, you know, over 10 sacks a season. You know, that's just what that, not what that role, what you want. Uh, Because if you've got a a nose guard that is just doing that and isn't great against the run, we're going to run at you every play. Uh, So, yeah, I think Jaden, I think he's got the ability and I know Oklahoma's a little older uh, with all of the transfers, but he's, he looks to be extremely mature physically. I think he's got the potential he'll come in and I think he'll compete in it for depth playing time right out the gate.
2: All right. Well, let's keep your uh, film review glasses on for a minute and talk about someone who hasn't committed yet. Oh, you did recently offer uh, this prospect. We talked about a little bit earlier in the podcast and to plug Chris's conversation with Daniel Akin Akinunmi is that how we Akin Kimi Akin Kimi he will be uh Chris did sit down with him for an interview we will get that video up tomorrow on the board uh Caleb have you had a chance to check out his film and what what do you think about the prospect from London England
1: I mean he's so like super intriguing Uh, because, and and something like Chris and I talked about after the offer, so many of these guys you watch, you see the, 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 how long they've been playing football and you see it just kind of in their movements, right? Their, their steps, uh, the pad level, even if it gets a little bit high at times, they're still doing, you know, it's, I'm not choreographed, but it's just, you can tell like they've gone through this, you know, repetitively for, six, seven years, thousands of reps of just simply coming off the ball or getting into a pass set, you know, and I'm honestly like you watch Daniel and you see that like, Hey, this is much more new to this kid. Like there's certain things where he'll get off balance because a pass rusher redirects. And it's just like, it's a really easily, you know, coach thing. Like, uh, can teach you like, you know, just set your ass down, right? Like sit on the bar stool, get your play under your, get your butt underneath you. You're good because you've got a six foot, 10 inch wingspan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, when I, when you watch him, like he's, I see why Baylor in Arkansas, in Minnesota, and Boston college and Ole Miss and North Carolina and Texas tech. And uh, you know, all these schools have offered him because again, it kind of goes
3: back to like,
1: we're all positions, d- but all the DNA, body. right?
3: The DNA, right? It's the yeah. NFL DNA.
1: Yeah. It's like what you're looking at is like, because you, you're always projecting, right? It's like, hey, I, you're going to coach you and we're going to develop you and we're going to teach you. Do you have the pieces that once we put you into the our puzzle, it all fits together and you can excel? And he he's got all that. He's an athletic guy that moves really well. He, you know, has an unbelievable wingspan. I think he could probably play right tackle or you play inside at guard. And yeah, I, I, he's just, he's extremely intriguing. Uh, yeah. I think you joked about it a little bit, Chris. He's, he's got the makings of one of those guys that you're watching the draft in like four or five years and you see him, he comes out of London and you're like, you know, he's, you know, like what, what in the world London? where did this, where'd this you guy that come they- from?
3: They they, they flash to, like, the camera that's in, like, England with his family members. It's, like, the first, you know, I mean, because he has that, you know, I think he's so raw-looking, but considering he's only been playing um, what I had to term with him American football for two years. Yeah. He looks, for only having played football for two years, he looks actually, it's it's actually, I'm actually surprised it wasn't, like, you know, I hate to say it, like, worse. Like, I expect him to look at his film and be like, okay, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. IMG wanted him to play there this fall. They asked for him to transfer. Um, as you said, a number of American universities have offered him, he's going to enroll early. He, um, I think he's probably just staying in NFL London for sort of the comfort of it and then make the move to America to make a move to the university. Maybe his parents are, I think his mom kind of wants him to make that one one transition, not two transitions and, you know, to a university where there's a full support system. And, and you know, but it's funny because he's, 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 gra- in England, he's graduated from high school. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, because the English system's just the Europe, you know, the English, British system's just different. So he's taking, you know, sort of what, you know, post graduation classes. He's, he's done what in England used, we used to call O levels, which the Harry Potter movies stole to say o levels. Or the the or, or 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 the Rowling in the book stole that, you know. Everyone, My in, England, loves everyone, everyone, everyone in England has a chuckle over the O levels thing because everyone has, you know, went through their O levels. My brother took his O levels when he was sixteen, um, when we were still when we were still in England. So he's a just an interesting guy to talk to. He was cognizant of the fact. Oh, you got Jaden Jackson, which I which just sort of tells you how small the world is with the internet now that he knew, oh, you got a defensive tackle. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Um, so it's, he's a, I'm, I mean, again, you know, I've talked to Daniel Okoye, Nigel Smith, David Mitchell, all these guys and Matai, uh, Tongue, you know, and all these guys are just really well put together, you know, you know, very you know, seemed to have everything, you know, going for them young kids. And I'm just like, man, I'm not, man, when I was 17, I was, I was not this, you know, if people be interviewing me, I'd have been like, yes, um, no. Um, yeah. You know, it's just, he's just, he was very gregarious. Just obviously, I mean, he's telling me he's too big to play rugby. Uh, he's just dragging people around. Um, and the guys were like, you got to find something else to play, man. Um, but yeah, it's just, Caleb, it would be a, you know, kind of, you know, I've talked to the kid. I'm cheering for the kid, obviously. But it would be just a classic story that, you know, only started playing football when he was 17 years old in London and, you know, at the London Academy. And, you know, then, like, went to, you know, went to Oklahoma, you know, became an all-SEC offensive lineman. And now, you know, first-round draft pick, Daniel Aiken. you know, Aiken Kumi, and, you know, and then, you know, and you guys can say, we we talked to that guy when he was nobody. Um you know, it's funny,
1: interesting, it's- you know. But you talk like it's funny. You can see that, like when he does certain things. Like I don't. I've watched a little bit of rugby, not a lot, but you can see like some of that crossover. Like when they run zone concepts, and he's just running off the ball. You know, just engaging guy and running is more of a scrum, right? Looks, it looks natural. It looks really comfortable. You know, when he's getting in his pass set, you can tell like, hey, he's, you know, he he's he probably learned that footwork six months ago, eight months ago, 10 months yeah, ago, whatever yeah. it is, you know, it's just, it's so new to him, but all the tools are there. And like, that's probably why he's so intriguing is, you know, for all the, whether it's on the board or, you know, consternation and it's, and it's all fair. Right. When you talk about like the number of guys bill has signed or what are they ranked? All of that stuff, like all, all that's a different conversation to have. But when you talk about like, Hey, developer and a coach and a teacher, He's up there with, you know, any of the offensive line coaches in football. And so it it's it would be a really interesting pairing, you know, for for Daniel and Bill, uh, because it sounds like such a mature kid would probably take to Bill's teaching and he's got his head on his shoulders and he has that goal of knowing where he wants to go. It'd be it'd be interesting to see what he developed into at a place like Oklahoma.
3: It's like the raw, it's like we're always saying just give Bill raw meat, you know, to be really crude, right? Just give him the raw stuff and give him a lot of it, right? And he'll make, you know, this is almost like the 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 rawest piece of the most athletic guy we could give him. Like, you know, if you want to like test what Bill could really do, if you want to like really say, hey, he just develops, guys. This is like like the prototype. Like, well, we're going to give you a guy from England that's only played football for two years. Go make him an All-American. And Bill'll be like, what are you doing to me? And then like gets him, then sees him, he's like, Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know, works him out it's like, well, he's got a, well, I don't have to unteach him a b- hundred bad habits from bad off, you know, bad offensive line coaches. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could do that. It's like a, you know, it's, um, it's like a, um, uh, you know, it's like a classic musical where, you know, I can make, I could, I could turn this person into a, into a musical star. Just give me, you know, you know this raw person into a, I can remake this person, like a Pygmalion kind of, you know, thing. So, but yeah, it's, it's obviously, obviously I'm from England. So, you know, I got a little bit of a soft spot for, for, for Daniel when he would talk to me, he's talking to me at midnight, his time he's interviewing us. So it was, it was, it was a good interview, Matt. And I'm, I'm glad you got it edited and ready for everybody. Cause I think it, you know, you just talking about what it took and he's at an academy and, and he's having to work really hard. He had to apply to get into it. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoops he had to jump through to get where he is
2: yeah and just uh plug his twitter also you know if you read through his timeline he's talking about how much he loves football and kind of pitching himself and his love of the game he's putting videos of him working out in a field by himself uh just seems like a really good kid i i didn't talk to him chris you're the only one that got to talk to him but seems like a great kid just based on you know a couple videos on his twitter feed and he's he's cheering on all his his teammates at the NFL academy and stuff like that so just seems like a really good kid too
3: yeah he can actually um that academy pro- produced uh Du the Arkansas State tight end who went to Colorado and then was like at Colorado for 10 minutes before realizing i don't want to be here so and they also Tennessee just signed a uh defensive end from NFL academy a late addition to that 23 class. So it's starting to build up a little bit of, you know, it's like now it's like sort of now it's like, well, what is, what is OU doing? It's kind of like a one-off, but it, Oh, NFL is putting a lot of money into trying to develop um, their product. The England game, the games at Tottenham stadium are sellouts. They're now selling out in Germany. They got a game, I think in Munich this fall. So, you know, there's the big offensive lineman who's at Alabama, Oleus. Uh, I think Lindstrom last year, and then there was the big tight end from I think Sweden who ended up at A and M, who was at OU camp, yeah. who was at OU camp. So it's it's starting to build up. So you know, in five years, this may not be such a strange occurrence.
1: Hey man, I, I'm I am like I'm full blood American, which means like you know we're a nation of like just you know. The bastards from everywhere else, right? Like, that's what we are. It's like we're the one place where, you know, if you're not born in Japan, you, you know, or born of, you know, parents from there, you can't be Japanese, right? You can't be any, you can't be Dutch unless, you know, you're from there, parents are from there. Like, America's one place, like, everybody can be. An american and one thing the other we also we love is like an underdog story like someone coming at from oh yeah yeah beginning yeah getting it so I mean, like a, I'm, I'm i'm on board like you get a kid from where is he from originally
3: like uh well his grandparents uh emigrated from nigeria so his mom he was he was born in england okay so but his obviously a akin kumi akin Kumi is you know that's a nigerian last name so um I mean, he has a great English accent, so it would be just it'd be just absolutely <laughs> it'll be fast. If OU could sign this, if he wants to go to OU and OU wants him. I mean, like the first day of interviews will be just like classic, but they would be like, hey, I'm sorry, could you repeat that again? I've already tried to warn him about, you know, um, that he won't be able to find all of his favorite English candies over here and stuff like that, but it's it was he's a he's a he's a neat guy and it would be it would be a beautiful story to track and especially if it somehow went the right direction, you know. I mean you know, I'm, I think I've got my movie treatment ready. You know, to to file that story first. You know, you know, I, I you know, I spoke to Daniel when he was just a six. You know, that you know, to get the to get the 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 the, 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 the totally different Blind Side type of movie. You know, uh, totally different kind of story, as you said, a great underdog story. But he's it's it's a fa- it's a boomer bust situation, right? You can see just him kind of going nowhere, but then you can just see his ceiling is sky high if somehow you just get it all moving in the right direction all right we'll have that
2: interview up on the board uh to the subscribers first before it's released to the public later Uh, that'll be up tomorrow so check that out which would be the same day this pod comes out as well so technically today um chris do you want to lead us into this last uh final roundtable discussion uh kind of encompasses all of these guys we just talked about
3: yeah, so it it's come up because I was listening to the Sirius XM, and the West Virginia athletic director said, "I'm not sure whether we need to, whether we're going to be building any new facilities to bribe to kind of bribe kids to come here. We may just focus on NIL instead." So here's the so Matt and Caleb. Caleb's already done this once, so he just has to repeat his eloquent explanation that we lost. So you inherit a large amount of generational wealth, Matt and after taking care of all of your key family obligations and giving significant money to the charities and services you strongly support you know whatever those might be yet you, you realize that you've got like 50 million left that you could give to oklahoma and slash oklahoma football so for so would you dedicate that money to nil or to facilities i'm going to frame it so you got two choices here so you 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 contact OU super secret head of NIL, whoever that is, and you say, I've got $50 million. And he says, if you give me that money, I will give you five PJ Adaborore type impact guys in every recruiting class for the next eight years. And then you're like, well, that sounds interesting. And then you go to the, then you go to Harrows or Joe C and you say, I got $50 million. And he says, You give me $50 million. I got a brand new athletic building. You can name it whatever you want. So, I kind of know Caleb's answer because we already recorded this. So, Matt, what are you going to do?
2: So, you're saying that these twins that I'm about to have are going to be <laughs> accounted for, right? They're
3: no, no, accounted I, for. Basically, so they can he,
2: they can go to school in and live in the dorm
1: or go play sports whatever in the arena of your of, you know, with their name yeah, on it.
3: Yeah, and or 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 you know, we're projecting Harvard tuition is like 1.2 million dollars in 2045 or whatever. Um, you know, so you could send. You've got enough money to send both of them to Harvard.
2: <laughs> well, in that case, I, or, I, or,
3: or or oh, they love England and they want to go to Oxford. Tom, uh, Thomas Sowell famously
1: know. said, "There's never been an it. There's never been like a major problem in this world that a, a Harvard graduate wasn't at the heart of." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right.
3: hopefully, so
2: hopefully they're golfers yeah. anyway. So right, you know. Um, so in
3: every at every possible charity you can think of, you're like, I've given them enough money. If they waste this, you know, and they don't need any more of my money. So you know, whether it's animals, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, whatever you want, you take it, you've taken, you've you've convinced, you've given enough money to the ASPCA to so stop playing the Sarah McLachlan mm-hmm. commercials. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know, just whatever, whatever is. So you still got fifty million left. So do you want 40 P.G. Attawaras over eight years, or do you want to give it to the money towards the Matt Burns Super Science Strength Conditioning Ultra Center? What are you doing? Man, I think, you know, chicken
2: before the egg, right? It's a the conversation there a little bit, but I, I think I'm giving it to the NIL fund because – You can't win unless you have the best players. And I think these days, some pocket change upwards of, what are some of these guys making a million dollars a season? I think that makes a bigger difference in getting those difference makers on campus than a lazy river and a putt-putt course. Billy Bowman on a pod this past week said, uh, he actually said it It was like 50000
1: It's like what he pulls in. Per year. Yeah. Which is it's wild to think about, like, you know, well, a family I, we're, we're, that's working their butt off to get something. And then there's a dude that's playing football. It's just, you know, and, and he's gonna make fifty grand on top of like free school, free food, free clothes, free trips, like free health care. Free healthcare. It's it's just wild to me. Like, but that's neither. But nor but nor but
3: that. think about it, like but but like if you're if you had told any of us in 2019, like jumped us forward onto this podcast and say, yeah, all OU players are making like 50 grand legitimate. You're like, do we have like the best team in the country? I mean, you know, are we just like loaded with five stars everywhere? I'd be like, you mean, you because mean, before, it, you know, we're so used to the, I mean, Tennessee basically just got whacked for handing out, you know, 10 grand in Burger King or McDonald's brown envelopes. I'm not sure. And like Jeremy Pruitt and his wife were doing this. His wife was handing out money. So Tennessee just lost like, you know, but they've lost some scholarships and they've lost some, they've lost some windows in recruiting and we can say, well, that doesn't, that won't impact them that much, but it's like, well, you know, it, it's, it's all getting tighter these days. We know that, right. You lose 12 official visits and right. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I don't have any official visits to get the three transfer players I need. And in, in December we we saw OU probably missed out on a couple of guys because they didn't have any official visits left in December. So it's just, it's just nuts. But, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, Matt, to your point, it's like, it's, if you can to use the cliche, if you can get the, the, if you can get the five stars and win 10 games a year, 11 games a year, and you're in the playoffs every year, everything else will take care of itself, right? Old that, that, that tide will lift everything else around the university and around the athletic department. I think, I think Joe sees in a tough spot because as a, He's grown up in that professional AD environment from the nineties, right? Where he's used to like, I have to husband my resources from my revenue sports to pay for my non revenue sports. That's, and that, and I need to keep a balance sheet that's pretty tight because that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. That's my mission as a, if, if you're thinking about like the athletic world he grew up in, right. Because it's, it's totally different. So I think, you know, you know, C. you know, is probably going through a lot of growing pains in this new environment as much as anybody else. But yeah, it's just crazy. You know, Billy Bowman's making 50 grand that, 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 that's, that's probably, that puts OU on three years probation in 1990, him saying that.
2: <laughs> yeah. And he's only really,
3: you, you, you lose OU's on, not on TV, not going to bowl games and losing like 12, you know, lose 12 scholarships a year for the next three years. I mean, and now it's like, oh, yeah, no, I'm getting that. Yeah. And my car, it's really nice. To, I mean, it's like, you know. Yeah, free it's, car. Yeah, the, didn't, it's, it's, didn't it's crazy. Bo,
2: speaking of car, didn't Bomar get in trouble over like 18 grand? And like that one was. Like, was a,
3: well, that was a no pay job. That, the problem with that was that he lied to Bob twice about, twice about it. If he had come clean to Bob Bob that said. is
1: like the worst story ever because my understanding is not only that, like he didn't go in and talk to a guy and ask for that money. It was no, like, no, Hey, no, we're no. going to get this kid a good deal. And yeah, he, never, yeah. he just, he just started looking at his check and was like, Hey, I've got like $1,500 extra on this. I'm not yeah, going to say anything. I've,
3: I've worked 16 hours, but I've gotten getting like 64 hours worth of pay. Yeah. I'm okay. saying thing. Yeah. yeah. He, because if, to your point, Matt, if he had just said, yeah, I did this, Bob would have like, We're going to suspend you for two games. We'll clear it through the NCAA. Make restitution. Thank you for thank you for not lying to me.
1: I know he should have just said. I've always thought this, but he should. It's it's, it's,
3: it's, It's the classic. It's the cover-up, not the act, right?
1: 100%. I always was a firm believer that he should have just been like, yeah, I, I I got paid more than I probably should have, but I'm not an accounting. It ain't my job to make sure that I get paid correctly. It's their job. They pay me this money, I cash the check. So you take a look at it, have your accounting department get back to me. If I got paid extra, they can have it back.
3: Yeah, uh, I'll make. we'll make restitution. No big deal. And Bob yeah. Like, yeah, no, because it was like it really was a 2-3 a game suspension maybe. If he had come clean and and OU's compliance would have pushed it through the NCA and said, "Yeah, we dropped the ball here. Um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll take care of it. Restitution's occurring. No problem." You
1: yeah, Do- three- want to talk about like always feeling bad for like a decision changing the trajectory of a life? Like that's
3: that's one. Well, I mean, '06 with Bomar at quarterback, OU. I mean. We should have beat Oregon anyway. Don't let me get started about that. <laughs> but but you know PT had a very uh, he had a poor game against Texas that year. He just he didn't play very well. I mean yeah. the the trajectory Bomar was on at the end of the Holiday Bowl and you know with AD Malcolm Kelly and Bowmar
1: as OC yeah
3: OC and a good defense. You know they had some good defensive players on that on that on that on that squad. Um, yeah, and then. And Bomar doesn't freaking lose to Boise State. So we don't have that crap to oh, watch man. for the last 16 years. Um, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, I mean, you should, you should really, we should really go find Rep Bomar and beat him up with a stick for lying. No. Off. See, I
1: view it the opposite. Like, <laughs> you, like feel, you feel you like so
3: bad for him that he's just like, dude, well, man, I'm uh, sorry. Because he's okay,
1: like, we know what the Oklahoma brand is, and you saw it like this week with Brent makes one comment about like I gave guys grace, we didn't do the same thing, Dion, and every single news station picks it up. And why do they pick it up? It's because so they know it's Oklahoma, and everybody's going to watch it, and everybody's going to interact with yeah, it, it. This hits. is a content thing; it's going to get you hits. So to backdoor that into Brett, like he has, it's you know, he has, let's say he has a great year, and I think he would have tore it up with again Kevin Wilson, uh, you know, because. So much of what he did with with Randy Walker, with a quarterback run game. Oh yeah, yeah, we, we barely just,
3: saw the we barely saw sort yeah. the, the beginnings of that.
1: Yeah, and, and so like what he would have been able to do. You're talking about a guy that probably is a Heisman finalist, might win a Heisman during his time, is going to be a first round draft pick. And even if he has an average NFL career, at that time first round draft picks were making he would have entered the league as one of the top paid players. And so, like just like again, like the changing the trajectory of someone's life, like he made a decision of to not be truthful to Bob Stoops. And that probably put him in a place where instead of having generational wealth and his life being completely different to, you know, he's he's working as a football coach somewhere. Like a yeah. high school,
2: so yeah. so Caleb, what are you doing with your money? I, I are argue. you like a few guys, or you know, you you change in the the program with a, a, the, a Caleb lazy river.
3: Analyst, analy- the, the Caleb the, Cummings analyst analyst? The Caleb Cummings Lazy River. <laughs> I think it's, I think I think Caleb. Let's pool. give him credit to that. Let's give him credit for that it's going to be like the Caleb Cummings football analytics and and development center, right? You know. You know, it's going to be a place where your body gets measured by 3D cameras and lasers and, you know, and and then, and then algorithms project where you go in three, four years. I think, you know, on, let's give Caleb some credit. I think it's more, that's more in his wheelhouse. He's like, you know, you need more, you need more sports science stuff. I want $50 million of sports science. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I would be apt to go that way. And here's like, but I probably wouldn't, but here's, cause here's the thing. And I'll kind of rehash what I said last time. Like I'm wholeheartedly against the thought of like, you know, me taking money that I had to earn and then turning around and giving it to some kids to go play a game of football when they're getting all the stuff that they already are getting. Like I'm pretty much, I'm in some ways against NIL. I think it turns the game into the professional game. And I, I don't, people love college football because it's not the NFL right and so to turn like everything about it with the glitz and the glamour and the lights rather than the smell of a 150 year old stadium and you know and 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 you going in and you have class with these guys and it's your alma mater and you're taking your kids back to this place like i'm against that but i was also raised my father told me uh and i've listened to some of those things that he's he's tried to depart upon me is when you give you know uh, to charity, you give freely without any strings attached. It's not yours to say what it gets spent on you. That's just not how charity works. And so I, in this instance, I would be apt to say, you know, Hey, you guys take this. And I agree completely with the all, you know, all tides are going to rise those boats. And it's a situation where you give the 50 million and they go up and they, they garner those types of guys. And I'm a pretty firm believer in like what Brent's doing from a process perspective and we know he can coach great defense and i'm a, also kind of a firm believer that like a good offensive coordinators not a dime a dozen like they're all really good particularly when you have elite players uh, i can't think of the offensive coordinator that was at lsu that i don't need these you know uh, in 2019
3: the joe burrow guy right the guy that got joe burrow uh, brady. joe brady joe brady, joe brady. Yeah. such an
1: example of you know when you're He was the greatest, greatest offensive coordinator in the history of college football that one season. And it was because he had three NFL, all pro wide receivers. He had the best quarterback in the game. He had an offensive lineman that was like five NFL guys. And when you've got that in the world of spread football, where it's find the fish and, you know, find the matchup and exploit it. Any coach would be great. Uh, Just about. So yeah, I'd be apt to say, yeah, take it, turn around, give it to NIL because I know what you'll probably do is run off and win four national titles in in 10 years. And by doing that in this world where Oklahoma is the brand that it is, you'll be able to generate so much revenue that if Joe will take to again some of the debt financing, he'll be able to you'll be able to build a new basketball arena. You'll be able to finish the West Side, you'll be able to build your football facility. You want to be able to build, you'll do all those other things because everybody else will give. And the amount of revenue coming in off of, you know, uh, I'm sure Oklahoma has got a a ability to, to capture revenue off of social media, off of that type of things. Like you'll be more than wealthy enough. And also, you know, to speak to like wanting my name on a building, I'm also pretty, pretty firm believer in that. Like I would never want the football stadium. Or the football facility named after me. I'd want it named after the people that have really laid the foundation and done those things. I'd want it to be, you know, the, you know, the, the Lucius Senior and Jesse Selman, you know, family football stadium. You know, it's something like the first family of Oklahoma football. They have their name adorned on it. Not me, not my family. Like we'll, we'll do other things that are important to us and I'll take care of that. But, uh, yeah, I I would, I would, that's probably what I'd do is I hate to say it. I'd give it to NIL, but I would.
2: Well, and it's it's not a direct apples to apples uh, comparison, but if you look at Alabama when they went and hired Nick Saban, <clears throat> they said well, we're investing in you know this coach. We're going to invest in new facilities. We're going to invest in redoing the stadium. They were kind of at the forefront of that. It changed the entire complexion of that entire university. Their uh, applications went up, you know, two threefold. Their uh, investments into the athletic department, into the other sports went up. You know, Alabama basketball wasn't great back then, but I think they were number one at one point this past season. Um, You know, again, it's, it's not direct, direct apples to apples. But, Chris, to your point, you know, you invest in the football team. You make the football team successful. It brings the whole university with it. That's you nailed it, right? Like that. So here's
1: one it's uh, Alabama's enrollment when when Nick Saban took that job was around, you know, 21, 22,000, you know, and today it sets just under 40,000. They've almost doubled. And from the course of 2010, to to 20 nah, 2023 now Alabama's invested around a billion dollars is what they they have like a master plan i remember reading this right they've invested like a billion dollars in all sports facilities or in the process of investing because they're building a new right now a part of that billion is a new brand new basketball arena and a brand new golf facility you know and you're able to do that because Nick Saban has owned the biggest money maker in sports for 15
3: years Just those Affleck dollars are really coming in, coming through as well, (laughs) yeah, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. You know, Bill's just he's just donated all that to the university, yeah. It's 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 crazy to think of this and say, yeah, I mean, I I mean, honestly, I mean, I you know, if you gave me this option first and you said I only had 50 million dollars, I'd be like, I'm not giving it to football, I'm giving it to like you know, 50 million first generational college graduates, right? I'll pay off their loans, you know, something like that, right? You know, something, something trend, you know, that impacts a greater group of people, you know, you have to be like your sort of like initial go-to thing, right? You know, Well, I'm trying
1: to figure out like, is, is, is cancer genetic or is it? Yeah,
3: exactly. exactly, Like, you know, give me, here's 50, you know, or you have a family member impacted by something. Here's 50 million. Yeah. $50 million for Research or whatever, but yeah, if because I mean this is basically how K State got facilities, right? They had a, uh, an alum won the lottery, and they that he paid for their indoor facility, their their indoor training facility. They didn't have one. That and is the most
1: Kansas thing ever, It, it, really, it is particularly the, most case- the most Kansas state, state thing the it teams is, that comes out of like Harley's, you know?
3: Yeah, it, it's the guys, true. But the it's- guys
1: got the shirt instead of saying Kansas state, it says, if you can read this, my bitch fell off. Like that is Kansas state football.
3: Yeah. So it's, it's, so I, you know, this was a little bit joking because then I drove by and saw the Powerball, I think last week, or I'm not sure if anybody's won it was like 560 or both of both of the powerball and the mega millions were like in the 500 million range that's a little bit why I sort of throw this, threw this through this idea together as well but it's yeah i mean you know i if if you could if you could guarantee me five five stars a year and the and you're spreading them over quarterback d-line defensive end you're giving me the occasional wide receiver running back and and maybe an occasional offensive lineman if Left it's somebody. Tackle. Well, yeah, exactly. If it's somebody like, uh, help me, Caleb, the big guy from Iowa last year, who was just ridiculous. Oh, if Proctor. If there's a Caden Proctor out there that's like, okay,
1: I, I, you know, let's like, you know what? Even on a smaller scale, like if you look back, like the, all the everything we heard was like, uh, Oh God, Rouse was going to go to Oklahoma. And yes, then yes, Nebraska exactly. made this amazing NIL offer where it was like, Hey, we're going to give you tons. And it was quite a bit better than Oklahoma's. And he chose Nebraska and Oklahoma had to come in and be like, all right, we'll, we'll bring this up to, you
3: know, and now Rouse and we're hearing Rouse looks great. Right. I mean, Oh, I Zach, think
1: he's, 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 yeah, he, I think he's going to have a big year.
3: And he, and he could also parlay that into a big NFL year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it was more of a question and then, you know, but but hearing professional athletic directors say, who, you know, who have always been like husbanding resources, right, you know, and trying to make sure to keep, to pay their non-revenues, keep their non-revenue sports from, you know, above water, but to hear them legitimately say, you know, no, I mean, and um, Joe C did a long interview with George Stoya on the scoop site. It was a good interview. George is a good guy. Um, good interview. He's he he's taller, he's much taller than Dari. I didn't realize George was that tall. George, sorry, was that tall. But um, but to just hear professional AD saying, no, 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 screw, screw this, screw the we've been bribing kids with facilities for like 20 years. The hell with that. We're just gonna give them the money. It was but, just it was, was it was just frightening. It was just frightening. It was like Mike, Mike, Where Loxley am I? Was,
1: yeah, Mike Loxley had that funny line. It was that's not funny, it's sad. And you know, uh, I think the Under Armour guys and, and maybe some other people have helping help maryland build a hundred and fifty dollar athletic facility in an interview he said unfortunately we're at a day and time where kids would rather would as soon get dressed in a trash can if you gave them 10 grand so the facility is maybe not a great idea <laughs> he didn't say great idea but you know he said it, it may be allocated funds in the wrong place and that i guess kind of goes back to, we talk about a lot right Is like what's going to give my greatest return on this investment. And it would it would be if you had a roster that was far and away better than everybody else's, because you'll, in this game of college football, you know, unless the ball doesn't bounce your way, you're probably going to be playing for the national title, uh, you know, or playing in the game that's going to take you there. So, and if you're doing that every year in Oklahoma, I mean, the revenue will flow. It's
2: the Jimmys and the Joes. Yep. Switzer will tell you right yep well that's a good spot to end this week's podcast we kind of mashed part two from last week into this one so it went a little bit long but that's okay we got some good content in also good content on the board head over there to check out chris's interview with uh daniel kinkima and also uh uh who else was it um Mike Hill, Patterson, McDonald's. Patterson, McDonald's, yep. So that'll be up uh, this week as well. So head on over to the board for that. And we will see everybody around the water cooler.
0: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app.